0: Uh, so, a, a quick word about the, um, the title of the sermon after, after Joe's uh, E New Hope yesterday. Uh, so, a <clears throat> couple months ago, uh, Jason uh, asked me if I could preach on August. Fourteenth uh, on First Corinthians four verses fourteen to twenty one. So, so I, I went. I read the passage a few times and thought about it. I looked at my calendar to see what was going on and, and prayed about it. And I said, yeah, I, I'll do that. And then a, a week or two later, Jason said, I need a title for your sermon. And I, you know, I haven't written the sermon at this point. But uh, so I said, well, let's go with the invitation game because it it connects with the idea that most. Intrigued me about the passage, and and it has this cultural connection with this this well known movie that recently came out. Um, and uh, then a couple weeks ago, I said to Shannon, "I said I should probably watch this movie. Um, <laughs> if I'm referring to it in the title, you know, maybe it'll have this you know fantastic uh, illustration that will serve in the sermon." And uh, so, a couple weeks ago, we watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it. it, has nothing whatsoever to do with the sermon. So, <laughs> Joe, if you're listening uh, on the podcast, sorry, no Benedict Cumberbatch, nor math references of much interest, um, but imitation game. Um, so, let's, uh, let's take a look at this text, um, starting at uh, verse uh, 14, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. <clears throat> For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved uh, and faithful child to the Lord. in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love, in a spirit of gentleness?" So I can relate to where Paul is coming from at the beginning of this text. Uh, maybe no one else here can, so hopefully you know, through my experiences you might be able to empathize, uh, but I have once in a while had the experience of uh, my children being prideful knuckleheads who needed reprimanding. And I'm sure that hasn't happened to anybody else, so bear with me. Um, Imagine if it did, you, you would probably respond, you know, in a very calm and, and uh, uh, logical and rational way and explain, you know, how the child was uh, uh, off base and what she should do instead of the foolish thing that had just happened. You, you probably would not lose your temper or raise your voice. You probably would not resort to sarcasm. Um... You, you probably wouldn't say, pardon me, I didn't realize I was dealing with the center of the universe. Your brother probably didn't either when you picked up that Lego, when he picked up that Lego that you sat down. Good thing you reminded him when you snatched it away of his place in the world, right? Me, you. Me, you, All right? Um, and and, uh, and so Paul, is, as as. Jim uh, highlighted in last week's message has has just had this kind of uh, tirade at the Corinthians that was, you know, sort of laced in sarcasm, right? He says that uh, 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 we, we being himself, other apostles, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are Held in honor, but we are in disrepute um, so i i can I can have a sense of of how Paul might feel after having just written this. It probably felt good to write it and then then he you know he immediately dials it back a bit and and on on my best days perhaps i I do the same thing uh, with my children when uh I say, look." I'm saying this because I love you, because uh, I want better for you. Um, and so, this is the, in verse 14 when he says, I'm writing all this, that all this is, you know, in, immediately it's just this you know, kind of sarcasm that he's been venting. And, and more broadly than that, uh, it's this whole issue of the divisions in the church. Right? He's been uh, writing about. Uh, problems that he's observed uh, in the church that uh, uh, you, you can read in Acts 18 how Paul came and, and brought the gospel to Corinth, and he planted the church there, and he lived and worshipped with the Corinthians for about a year and a half, and after he left, other Christian leaders came and taught there and led them, for sure Apollos, perhaps uh, also Peter and others. Um, And Paul doesn't seem to have any animosity here towards any of those other evangelists. There doesn't seem to be any rivalry between Paul and Apollos or any concern that Apollos has been teaching a a false doctrine or anything like that. Paul's issue is that that the presence of these different leaders has led to these cliques or sects among the people. One says... I'm a Paul guy. I've been here since the beginning. And another says, dude, that's so AD 51. Get with the times. All right. Apollos is the man now. And, and someone else being sanctimonious over both of them says, well, I don't know about you, but I follow Jesus. Which Paul would, would probably agree with in the abstract, but not when it leads to separating people, raising one over the other. Um, and for myself, Probably the thing that gets me the most spooled up in dealing with my kids is when I see them in conflict with each other over something that seems silly or prideful. And that seems to be the case here with Paul as well. He's, he's not happy with the Corinthians about this issue, and he's letting them know it. But then in today's text, again, he, he quickly dials it back, right? Look, I'm not saying this to shame you, I'm not saying it because I love you. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. It matters to me how you turn out. You've got countless other guides and leaders, he says, other people in your life who are also guiding you, teachers, pastors, youth leaders, but only one dad. And, and I can identify with that sentiment. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, and I see kids all the time being prideful knuckleheads and treating each other like jerks. And and I try to intervene and step in and exhort them to to, uh, abide by the golden rule, to, to not be jerks to one another. But I don't take it personally with them the way that I tend to with my own children. And so when Paul shares his concerns, his exhortations, it's coming from his gut. And that's what we've been studying the past few months and today's passage, I think, is a little bit of a turning point from this description to prescription, from from d- describing what's going on in the world of the Corinthians to now giving some direction to how to respond, right? He's, he's described uh, these divisions, which I talked about. He's uh, talked about uh, how in, in this Corinthian world that really values philosophy, that, that the, the, the wisdom of of God is, is, uh, seems like foolishness and yet uh, it's, it's wiser than the wisdom of, of uh, humans. And he's talked about the place of the apostles and, and now he's kind of turning to some direction and, and he offers here one of the first imperatives, commands that you find in the book of 1 Corinthians is here. And I find this word of direction a little surprising. He says, I urge you then, verse 16, I urge you then, imitate me. Imitate me. Do what I do. Look at my life. Copy my actions. The Greek word here is mimetes, from which we get our words like mimic. Right? It's, it's stronger than just following an example. It, it's copying. It's imitating. It's an exhortation to explicitly copy. And so now let's look at how this imitation game is going to work here. Paul is not there for them to imitate. He's writing this letter across the GNC in Ephesus. He hasn't been in Corinth for six or seven years. And so here's the deal. Here's the plan. I'm going to send you my boy Timothy, right? And Timothy's going to come and remind you of my ways because he's been hanging out with me and traveling with me. And so you're going to look at Timothy and you're going to do what Timothy's doing, thereby copying me and I'm copying Christ, right? So that seems to be the plan, right? You imitate Timothy, Timothy's been imitating me, and I'm imitating Christ. And so as I, as I read this passage and started thinking about it, uh, it made me think of this scene from this uh, 1996 Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity. You can bring it up there, Mark. So, um, Michael Keaton in this movie, he's a construction worker. He's, he's a, a, a very busy, busy man. He's, he's, he's got family responsibilities and marriage responsibilities and job responsibilities and and uh, just finds himself with no margin in life, and uh, uh, so his plan, his response to this. You have the picture up there? Oh, okay. We'll just I'll just wait and play the. All right. So his his response to this is that he's going to um, uh, he clones himself. Right. He goes to this the scientist and makes a clone of himself, and so his clone helps him. Uh, meet some of his responsibilities, but that's still not enough. He's still, you know, way too busy. So he makes a second clone of himself, right? He makes number two to help him uh, on the job, and he makes clone uh, number three to help him around the house and take the kids where they need to go and stuff. Um, And believe it or not, in this Hollywood comedy, it turns out that having extra copies of yourself is not enough to simplify life as much as you hope. Right. And so uh, in the scene we're going to watch, Michael Keaton comes in to meet with his clones, number two and number three, and talk about the you know, plan for that week, what, where, where everybody has to be to, to get their jobs done. Right. So that's, that's where we start off this clip. So go ahead. putting his pizza in his wallet there. <clears throat> so a copy of a copy, not quite as sharp as the original. That's, that's what came to mind for me when I was reading this passage. Right. Timothy imitates Paul, and the Corinthians imitate Timothy, resulting in, I like pizza. <laughs> so I, I want to continue today by just uh, sharing a couple of reflections I had on that and on whether or not this is a good illustration to use with this text. My first impulse, and and Shannon's as I shared it with her, was to reject this analogy. Paul has shown himself capable of irony and sarcasm, as we've seen, and there's nothing at all ironic in this command. I urge you to be imitators of me. He means exactly what he says. He's literally imploring the Corinthians to copy himself and to do the things that Paul himself is doing. And so if the multiplicity copy of a copy illustration is a bad one, I think I see a couple of implications. First, it it brought into focus uh, my own natural tendency to mock, to be snarky, to be sarcastic. I'm sure no one else can relate to that tendency. Um, but but it's, an it's, it's an issue for me that I have maybe a, 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 a willingness to adopt our, our cultural mindset of making a joke of everything like a late night talk show host and embracing the educational value of thinking critically to the point that uh, you know, I'm quick to question the authority of scripture and the simple truth of the wisdom in a, imitating someone with good character. It's much easier to make a sarcastic remark than to submit to the idea that I'm as puffed up as those Corinthians and I need to follow Paul's advice. But secondly, if critiquing the imitation game this way is futile or off base, I'm reminded of a couple of the themes that we saw earlier in chapter 1 of this book. Verse 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 25, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And verse 27, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. So there's a human sense where questioning the strategy of Paul seems kind of reasonable. Is this really going to work? And it is, in fact, the plan God uses, and it's the plan that God has used in Christ, right? come gather a few fishermen and tax collectors and other unnoteworthy folks and have them walk around with Jesus through Galilee and Judea for a few years and then send them out to turn the world upside down with the witness of Christ in them. It could be a bit laughable, but it is what Jesus did and it is what Paul is doing here. And so perhaps counter to human wisdom, it works. The presence of Timothy Walking as Paul walked is sufficient example for the Corinthians to remind them of the witness uh, of Jesus and to enable them to imitate Jesus. So maybe uh, Michael Keaton number four in multiplicity is not a good way to think about this verse. And maybe I shouldn't show the movie clip because it's not relevant and I'm just trying to be clever and funny. Or I can show the clip and talk as I have about how it illustrates the foolishness of God's wisdom. But as I reflected on it some more, it occurred to me that there's a way that this video clip is absolutely spot on. Jesus Christ is the original. I'm a copy. We're all copies or copies of copies, if you like. And as far as my external conformity to the image of Christ, I'm about as well-formed and effective as number four up there, the guy in your bulletin today. All right, if I work real hard at it, maybe I can drool a little less and stop licking my pizza. Uh, but lost a little sharpness from the original is an understatement in comparing my <coughs> walk with Christ. I'll only ever be a dim reflection of the original at best. And Paul absolutely gets that. He agrees for himself as well. He confesses to the Philippians that he considers his own acts of righteousness as worthless rubbish. And then later in his life, he tells Timothy, Timothy, the same guy who he's sending out to be the model for the Corinthians to imitate, he tells Timothy... Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. In comparison to Christ, I'm number four, bumbling through life. And the Corinthians apparently continued to be knuckleheads, and Paul had to keep writing them letters to exhort them and help them get on track in following Jesus. In one of his later letters, which we have preserved as 2 Corinthians in our Bible, he tells his flock, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so the work of God here is not that somehow by imitating the right model, I can progress from number four to number three to number two and maybe eventually be a very, very good imitation of Jesus, the original the work of God is that even in, though in my human will and external action, I still have a rubber boot on my head and I'm licking my pizza slice. On the inside, I've been transformed. We each may look and act like the original to a greater or lesser degree, but just like number four there, in multiplicity, our DNA is an exact match. Through faith in Christ and by the faithfulness of Christ, we each have new selves, new identities. And so I think it's because of this new identity that we play the imitation game. Not because I need to fix my number fourness, my copy of a copy, imperfection. Later in the chapter, 1 Corinthians, uh, in, in uh, Chapter 11, 1, Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. A- and in neither of these chapters does he follow that up with, Imitate me so you won't be knuckleheads anymore, right? Because the Corinthians are still going to be knuckleheads. Hopefully, through imitation, there can be some removal of th- those divisions, that puffed up attitude that he's talked about, the sexual immorality and unjust worship practices that he's about to talk about later in the book. Perhaps those things are gonna come along as a result, but it's, it's not the primary purpose. We play the imitation game because it's who we are. In Christ, the Christ in me is turning, tuning in to the, the Christ in Kevin or Joe, in Anne or, or Jason, in Mary, that leading me to mirror what I see. And so what do I do with this? How do we respond? A couple ideas have come to mind. One fairly straightforward, another a bit more challenging. First, like the Corinthians, we imitate. Some of you may have that, that mentor, that father or mother in Christ, the way Paul was to the Corinthians. And, and certainly that's, that's someone to, to be imitating to become a mimetes of, a mimic of. But we all have people in our lives who communicate Christ to us. Who is that person in whom we see Christ alive and shining? How does she pray? How does he worship? How do they love their neighbors, serve their communities? And I should strive to follow those things, to imitate, to walk in those ways. Right. Follow good examples in Christ may not be a profound application point, but it's a true one. And the second one, I think, maybe is a bit more daunting to me. Per- perhaps we're also are called to invite others to imitate us. Paul writes several times to different churches to, to imitate him, and that's a bold statement, right? You want to be like Jesus? Happy me. Be like me. We're tempted to critique Paul and wonder at his pride in saying something like that. But the thing is, if the church is to imitate Paul's actions, one of those actions is to call people to imitate us. So, if the first application point is follow good examples, the second is be a godly example... Yes, but I think perhaps even more than that. You've probably heard it said that St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Which is a neat saying, but Francis probably never said that. Um, Preaching the gospel in action is, for me, is kind of a a low-pressure exhortation. Because Francis also exhorted his believers to preach in words. And we're called to do the same. Um, So it's easy enough to say, invite others to imitate me, but what would that exactly look like? And I, I, I don't really know for sure, but perhaps it looks like this. When we're commended for something... Can we simply point to Christ? And can we invite others to follow? A couple years ago, my department chair at Parkville, we were sitting around in the hallway having a conversation, and he said, How come you never complain? People were griping about something the administration was doing. They said to me, How come you never complain? Now, I don't remember exactly what I said in that moment, but I was consciously aware right then that there was an opportunity for my witness to move from actions to words, and, and I did not. I, I don't know what I said, but, but uh, how easy it would have been to simply sh- do something like shrug my shoulders and say, oh, it must be Jesus in me. And I can see that, but then maybe to go a step further and say, you could do the same. It seems a bit harder to invite others to imitate me, imitate the Christ in me. But I think perhaps that is the direction Paul is calling us into in this imitation game. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for the witness of Paul, the witness of Apollos, the witness of other um, fathers and grandfathers in the church, and the witness of the uh, followers that you've put in each of our lives here and now people in whom uh, you are alive and whom we may imitate you by imitating them. Help us to see you and to uh, make the conscious effort to copy, to mimic, and to also make the conscious efforts to show you to the world and to be the kind of person who can say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.